This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Necessary Roughness, brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. TJ, uh, I know that you said this uh, when you walked into the studio today. Uh, I said it this morning when I got into the studio at uh, at five o'clock. It's freaking cold outside. Is uh, is spring ever going to get here uh, in Michigan? I'm over it. I'm over it. You know, it's like uh, typical spring in Michigan. Just last week, you know, it was probably two o'clock, and walked outside. It was like fifty degrees. I'm like, damn, this be nice, nice golf weather. Um, and I've got a little, I've got a pretty big backyard. I kind of go and hit yeah. some chip shots and just mess around. And, uh, you're, go, you're a golfer. Went back inside, changed, ate some lunch, you know, came back out and it was like 38. I was like, oh, <laughs> the wind yeah, was whipping Michigan around. Yeah. Yeah. There it is for you. So, uh, I hope, man, I hope we're over the hump. This past weekend sucked. I mean, 22 degrees on Sunday. The wind you know, is I, what I sucks so much. I'm okay with some chilly weather. Um, and I don't like to use the word cold. But when that wind is blowing at about 20 miles an hour and it is 22, 23 degrees outside, it, it it's freaking cold. Uh, and I'll ask you, I want to ask you this because you're a big guy like me. Um, and I love when summer finally rolls around. Fall is, is, is jeans and a flannel. Summer is shorts and flip-flop. When do you flip the switch to shorts? Ooh, man, I... T- <sighs> Honestly, I think once it hits about 50, yeah. I'm a shorts guy. Uh, big sandal guy, to be honest with you. I mean, As if I'm running a, up to the, you know, just to the corner store for something, they're, you know, running out of the house real quick, I'll throw the flip-flops on. I don't care if it's snowing. Uh, I'm a flip-flop guy. I will wear. I would wear sandals, flip-flops. I don't care how you want to describe them all year long. I hate wearing shoes. I don't know what it is, and I just love wearing flip-flops. Oh, they're easier to put on. I mean, yes, we're I big guys. Have to, over, <laughs> I don't, I don't have to hold over. my breath as uh, long. Dude, I'll wear, I'll, wear the, uh, I'll wear the sandals with socks too, man. I, oh, I don't come give on. a I, I am, I am shameless. It stretches I don't, out I don't the, care. the flip-flops. Dude, I don't care. If I'm running out of the house just for something quick, I don't care. I'll even go out in slippers sometimes. Oh, it's slippers just are for me, right. it's... Uh, Gosh, I don't know. Hard to admit. Maybe it just comes down to being lazy. I hate bending down and grabbing shoes. It's just easier to just slip your feet in and well, out the door. I mean, we got to hold our breath for so damn long. Yeah. Um, you know, then you then you stand up after doing that, and you're dizzy for about thirty seconds. Yeah. No, I'm I'm definitely a shorts guy. Once it hits, you know what? Honestly, I don't even need fifty. Give me like forty five. 
as long as it's not windy, you know, you don't have a wind chill or anything. But yep. um, it's funny, my kids are the same way. I mean, the first week, what maybe two weeks ago when we hit, you know, 46, 47, my kids are all out in the driveway in shorts and T-shirts. Yeah. We're like, Dad, it's hot out here. I'm like, 45 degrees. <laughs> but they're like me, man. Once, uh, like most Michiganders, I think once that weather first turns, yeah, it's like shorts and T-shirt weather. You know, people look at you like you're crazy, but um, hopefully we're over the hump, man. I, I hope we always seem to get like one crazy, weird, you know, snowstorm. I think it's coming in, tonight and tomorrow. It, oh God, don't say that. Well, I, I checked tomorrow. Winter, winter weather Wednesday, advisory. Being Wednesday, I think it's supposed to be 61, and then Thursday's like 50, and then the weekend back into the 40s. Um, but yeah, I, I think once that weather turns, the frustrating thing is once it turns, you're like, finally, yes, spring is here. And then two days later, it's 22 degrees and, you know, six inches of snow. But I'm just waiting on that one last surprise snow because, you know, we get one every year. Oh, yeah. We always get like an April 17th and the day before was, you know, 62 and sunny. And all of a sudden you check the weather and it's like, holy what is this winter weather advisory <laughs> i thought we were past this um but it, it's uh I, I hope we're in the clear just looking at the future forecast i mean you never know you can't trust those guys 100 percent. but it looks like we're at least out of the 20 degree days which for me is the worst i can handle 30 i can handle 40s when it's in the 20s it's just depressing what mother nature is going to do is they're going to wait for all the moms and dads that are either sitting out there at a soccer game on a Saturday, at a baseball tournament, whatever it is, that's when it's going to happen. Uh, because we're going to be sitting there and totally underestimate the weather or think that we're tougher than we are. And I'm going to take my lawn chair. I'm going to have a, probably just a hoodie on. And then I'm going to sit there and shiver for four hours <laughs> and just be stubborn enough not to go back to the truck and get something else to put on. Uh, but I, I do want to mention, because the weather leads us to uh, something big that happened in Detroit this week, and that is in 2024, the NFL draft will be held in the city of Detroit. And it was selected over uh, you know, a place that you're very familiar with, Green Bay, as well as Washington, who I'm very familiar with. How did Detroit pull this off? Because we talked about this a couple of weeks ago yeah. with what Green Bay has done outside Lambeau Field. It's absolutely beautiful. And they've set up a great area around Lambeau Field. The history at in Green Bay, yet Detroit is able to one-up them and pull off the coup and get the draft hosted here in the city of Detroit. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Maybe Detroit had a bigger bankroll. I don't know. But no, it's fun. I got to think back. You know, when we talked about this a few shows back, and I thought – I didn't think there was any way Detroit was going to get it over over Washington. Yeah, maybe you know, but Green Bay with the amount of investment that they've made around the stadium, trying to build it up, just for a moment like this, for a moment to host the draft, for a moment to, uh, in their mind, hopefully in the future host a Super Bowl. Um, they've done so much work to the city and the surrounding area around the stadium. Where um, when teams do that, when they put in the investment. And they show the NFL that they're willing to build and they're willing to expand. They usually get rewarded with something like this. It was yeah. a bit surprising to me that I, I saw Detroit get it over Green Bay just based on the fact of how much they've done to the stadium to try to, uh, you know, entice the NFL to give them something like this. But I was excited when I heard the news because there's always this perception still outside of Detroit where people think about Detroit as being some 
you know, slum <laughs> Lord city right. and just like a dump. And, um, so for us to get a chance to, to really show off, um, you know, the new and improved, uh, vibe of downtown yep. and, and how much uh, of a great place it, it has become, I think it's going to be awesome. And I think that the NFL is going to be surprised with how much, uh, support the city sees just from people in Detroit, just mm-hmm. from the diehard fans, uh, that are here in Detroit that will flood downtown, that will go down there and just have a, an amazing time. Um, so I, I was really excited. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I still, it's obviously still two years away, but uh, this is a big event. It's going to bring um, probably a ton of money to the city, yep. which is awesome. Uh, it's probably going to bring, uh, create some, uh, some jobs at least around the area for the week, you know, leading up to it and for the weekend that the draft is held, or, which will be yeah, great. In the preparation leading up to it, which yeah. will be months. And, and, you know, I don't know what they're going to do between now and then, but they're, I'm sure they're going to make improvements to the city, which yeah. again will create jobs. Yeah. And I think it's just, uh, it, it kind of feels like, for me, it just kind of feels like, gosh, it's about time something good happened. You know, it's about time somebody uh, recognized Detroit as being a place that can handle one of these, um, you know, worldwide events like that that just people watch and people flock to. So I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see what uh, what the transformation is going to kind of be down at Campus Martius and yeah, uh, they Hart mentioned Hart Plaza and they mentioned a couple other sites that are going to be used as well. But I'm really excited. I'm excited, uh, you know, not only to hopefully be a part of it, you know, on the media side, but just to go down and see one of these big time events. It's 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 I've never been to the draft, but I've heard since they moved it, since they started bouncing around Vegas, Chicago, Cleveland, uh, Nashville, uh, I think was a couple of years ago. Um, people just rave about it. People have a great time and it's just for NFL fans. Uh, we've got, we got a ton of diehard fans here in Detroit. It's going to be a heck of a time. And, um, I think it just kind of goes to the, the, the buzz that, you know, Detroit has kind of created. And I don't know if it's just all, you know, Dan Campbell, Brad Holmes, whatever it is about the, what about this new regime, but you can tell they've, uh, it, with the hard knock announcement coming too, yep. like you can tell these guys are moving the needle a little, a little bit. I think there's interest in Dan Campbell. People want to see oh, what oh. Dan Campbell's about, right? People want to see, you know, what, what, what Detroit really is about. So, um, but just talking about the draft, it'll be great to at least show people uh, a different perception of Detroit um, than they might have. Great opportunity to show off the city um, and everything that it has to offer. But I also, I wanted to ask you too, and you kind of touched on this a little bit there, but when you think about, okay, uh, Sheila Hamm, who is now running the the franchise, people wanted to knock her quite a bit for keeping Matt, Patricia, and, and Bob Quinn one year longer than most people thought that they should have been. But it was her first year of ownership, and I think she was just getting her feet wet. She was figuring things out. Um, So I'll build in a little bit of a buffer there for her, at least in my mind, I I do. But now that she has, you know, she cleaned house, she brought in uh, Chris Spielman, uh, she's brought in a number of individuals that could help get the, the culture, get what Detroit wants, and that's ultimately winning on the football field. But there's not going to be any football games played or won until September that mean anything. So on all different fronts, whether it's the hard knocks, and I know that Detroit couldn't say no if they were selected, but there also has to be, hey, we want you to come here. We want to showcase our team. That has to also you know, be received by the Detroit Lions and the NFL. 
and you also have the draft. There's got to be a lot of work that goes into selling the city of Detroit, selling your franchise. Do you get a good sense that, yes, what brings the Lions back to relevancy is winning football games, but on all other fronts, that Sheila Hamp and the franchise is doing everything they can to, to, to one, showcase the city of Detroit, but also change the perception of the Detroit Lions? Um, well, I think the jury's still out on that, obviously, but I think that when you take a look at this past season, um, there was just a different feel. You know what I mean? It kind of felt like, uh, first of all, I think, expectations were realistic, right? I think when you looked at this roster after uh, Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia moved on, you knew it was going to be painful. You knew knew it was going to be, there was going to be a lot of rough spots in this rebuild, which we saw last year. We're probably going to see some more this year. Probably not as much as we did last year, but I think last year was the first time that people had realistic expectations. You know, okay, we know we're not really expecting this team to, you know, hover around the nine ten win mark. We know they're going to struggle. We know that you know whatever it is. We know it's going to take time. Um, but there was a buzz around the. There was a different vibe around the team, and from the fan perspective, from you know, kind of covering the team a little bit, being at the games, there was just a different vibe and feel that. And maybe I'm speaking out of my ass, but for me, it felt like this was the first time in a long time that the Lions got a decision right. And by that meaning that, you know, Brad Holmes at GM, Dan Campbell at head coach, it seemed like the first time in a long time that people really felt like we finally had the right combination mm-hmm. of leadership, right? And uh, it's it's been a long time since we felt that, you know? Even with Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia, it was kind of like, okay, you know, we don't know. I mean, Patriots guys, right, don't have yeah, the best resume when the they leave places, away, right? We're going to have to wait and see. But with Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes, I think people are giving them the necessary patience to just kind of put their trust in him and let him see the plan, let him see how it's going to develop. So, um, But those guys, I, I really feel like they're needle movers, man, especially with Dan Campbell. I, I think there's a perception of him in the league where, you know, just kind of meathead head coach and people want to talk about the kneecap clips and, and whatever else, uh, you know, silly th- that he said over the past year, but yeah. he, the guy moves the needle, man. And there's a lot of buzz around him. And um, fan wise, I'm in the same boat. I think we're still the jury's still out, right? Because ultimately, it's great you can create all this buzz and whatnot. But you, you, the only thing that matters is the results on the field, right? Yeah. The Sunday results. So um, we're still going to have to wait and see how this season co- co- plays out. But for me, it just feels like the first time where everything's kind of aligned. You know, the stars, so to say, have aligned to where you really feel pretty optimistic about where this team's heading. And that's why I'm just so damn anxious to wait for this draft to roll around just to see what the hell we're going to do, just to see right. who we're going to pick it to, or do we trade down, or rumors about trading up to one, trying to get, you know, probably Aiden. Uh, what are they going to do? How aggressive are they going to be? Because we really didn't get a lot of that in free agency, right? We saw a lot of re-signing their own type of guys. We didn't see a lot of big splashes. What are they going to do in the draft to create even more of that buzz, even more of that optimism to say oh maybe this is a team that can take a a a pretty big step heading 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 into the fall would you co-sign uh trading up number to number one to get aiden hutchinson because you'd probably have have to give give up up. okay so here's what you're probably going to have to give up i'm not giving up a 32 or 33 or 34 um you might have to give up a 34 
uh, to, to so jump you give up. up two and thirty four. Yeah, to, no, to get I wouldn't number do one it. over. I wouldn't do that either. I wouldn't do now, it. Now let me give you this: uh, if they were to accept that compensatory pick, um, ninety seven overall, or even the uh, the sixty six pick, which is in either of your third round picks, and obviously you give up number two um, to move up to number one to take a guy that you think that I think is different than the other edge rushers in this draft. Is he? I mean, that's the question. So that's the question that you got to ask, yeah. That's just the question right now that is Aiden Hutchinson that much better than Kayvon Thibodeau? Is he that much better than Trayvon Walker, right? The other couple guys that you hear kind of mocked in that top five. Um, Is he better than those guys? If you feel that way, if you're the Detroit Lions and you're absolutely sure of it, I wouldn't mind it. Um, But I just think that I don't know if they feel that way. I don't know if I feel that way. I don't know if it's the right decision to make. I just don't. Because this this year's draft is so weird where you have like the top 10, 15 guys that are all just kind of muddled into this one big group, right? They're all really good players. Uh, There's not one guy you can say, He's the he's head and shoulders above everybody. There's not two, three, four, five guys that you can say yeah. that over the rest of the fifteen. So I just don't know if you if this is the year where you wanna give up capital to move up because you're still gonna get really, really good value sitting there at two. And hopefully, in my mind, I mean, hopefully maybe even trade back down a little bit because where the value in this draft I really think is gonna lie is Right where they're picking at 32 and 34, I think anywhere from 20 to 40 is going to be really, really good value where you can get a couple guys that come in and be day one starters. Yeah, um, Just because everything in this year's draft seems to be very even, right? You look at the mock draft and it's like one through five, okay, and you're sitting there saying, okay, we got a chance to take one of these players, great. But then you look at 32, 34, and there's 10, 15 guys sitting there, and you're like, I'd be happy if they pick any of those guys, right? Because right. they're all get, all these guys are just so muddled together that can be day one starters and productive players for you. So um, I don't know if I would, I don't know if this would be the year that I would want to move up to number one. Um, Aiden Hutchinson, phenomenal player, but Trayvon Walker is a phenomenal player. Kayvon Thibodeau is a phenomenal player. Now, the, Thibodeau's got a little bit more questions with the personality side, but you're going to get a really good player at number two. Regardless, I just don't know if Aiden Hutchinson is worth giving up extra capital to take over one of the other guys. Now, if they do make a trade up, a scenario that I would love that I could get behind is maybe at 32, 34 packaging something to move back up higher into the first round. To get to like 14, 15? Just to say, like, look look at one of Philly's picks, right? I think they picked 14, 15, and like 18, right? Take any one of those, package up, try to move up, because I just look at it, and I think, okay, you have, you know, four or five top receivers in this draft when you talk about Drake London and uh, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, um, Burks uh, from uh, Arkansas. You talk about those guys, and you're like – 
really like to get one of those. But then you look at the draft, two picks ahead of Detroit at 32-34. You got Kansas City sitting there with two picks. You have Green Green Bay sitting there with two picks. I mean, those are two teams that just traded away a number one target. What do you think they're going to target with one of those picks? Probably a wide receiver. So if you could bump back up, uh, and I think with the first one is 22 with Green Bay and then 27, then Kansas City has two at uh, 30, 31-ish. But if you can bump back into maybe even 20, maybe even the high teens, package one of those picks to get back up there um, and take a guy, that's where I wouldn't mind them being aggressive. I wouldn't be so excited, I guess, if they – tried to package two with something else giving up a, a, a second or yeah. a third to get up to one to Hutchinson just because I think it's so damn even I, I, I don't think you need to do that does number two have to be an edge rusher because we you, you talk about the the four or five guys that you know the top five are kind of interchangeable it let's I'm leaving out offensive linemen because I don't think that's an area of need for the Lions but if you're looking at a you know, obviously, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, um, yeah, Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, you know, uh, Trayvon Walker, but then you start throwing in Kyle Hamilton, Jordan Davis. Does it have to be an edge rusher for you when they talk about positional value? You don't see safeties taking number two overall. You don't see defensive tackles taking number two overall. Does it have to be an edge rusher? Uh, for me, I think it does, yeah, yeah. because – just watching this defense last year, that was the one thing that they really lacked. Um, and it, even in those, you know, a bunch of those close games that they were losing. Um, the ability to put pressure just, on a quarterback yeah, just, wasn't there. Just the big moment, you know, the big third down in, in the fourth quarter, you know, you're watching opposing quarterbacks five, six, seven seconds. Okay, yep, let's Picking make a throw down the field. That's you're not look, that good to begin with. Yeah, and you're looking at – you know, even the the Minnesota game. You know, losing the last minute up in Minnesota. You look at the Baltimore game. Um, you know, the, the, these quarterbacks are just sitting there with all kind of time, making big plays. It's just that's that's the biggest need on this team in my eyes. I don't think you can try to wait for thirty two, thirty four to try to get one of those. That's your biggest need, and that's also the biggest strength of this draft is having those guys at the top. Yep. In my mind, you have to take him. Now, I went down this weird road yesterday, a couple days ago, where... yourself caught in a rabbit hole? P- yeah, people started talking about Malik Willis. People started uh-huh. talking about the quarterback. And I'm sitting there, and, and two weeks ago, I would have said, absolutely not. You're absolutely insane. There's no way you can take a quarterback when... You already you, you just have much bigger needs, right? Right. But then I started thinking, right, and I'm looking, and I'm saying, okay, well, I don't know what's going through their minds in Detroit. I don't know how high of uh, or low of a grade they have on a guy like Malik Willis. He's been moving the needle over the last couple of weeks with the combine and with the pro day and making some great, you know, throws on air. Which let's be honest, any quarterback no pressure, can yeah. make a 55, 60 yard throw with no pressure. Yeah. Um, but how much? of a move, needle mover is he for the Lions, right? And, and I look and I try to piece these things together and say, okay, well, you know, you look at Jared Goff. I think they're confident in him. Uh, I think he played well enough in the second half of last season to at least warrant the starting quarterback job heading into this season. Um, but you look at his contract, okay, he's got a couple years left. Is he really going to be a guy they want to re-sign in two years for a, you know, what's probably going to be at that point you're going to think I'm crazy, but 30, 35, 40 million by the time the quarterback market right. starts getting 50 and 60. Is Jared Goff going to be a guy you want to invest 35, 40 into a year? Yeah. Um, I don't know. 
Um, so I'm starting to think, well, maybe they're, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe Malik Willis will be ready by then. But then you start thinking too, you look at what they've done in free agency, um, which there hasn't been any splash, right? I mean, no. you re-sign a bunch of your own guys. You re-sign, you know, Anzalone and uh, Tracy Walker and Jared uh, Davis, Josh Reynolds, and you know, you you just bring them back the same cast that you went through last year with. So that tells me one of two things: you either believe these guys can take a big second step in year two in your system, or you're just kind of going down the path of. Maybe let's stick to the plan, right? This is year, yeah. year two of the rebuild. We know we're not really going to compete for a playoff spot. And when you combine all those things, I start thinking, well, maybe I wouldn't be so surprised if there's a if they take a quarterback at two because this maybe it's part of their plan. Maybe this is year two of the rebuild. They know Jared Goff only has a couple years left. When they finally get to, let's say, 2023 or 2024, where they feel like this is the time we have to start competing for the division in the playoffs, is Jared Goff going to be your quarterback or is Malik Willis going to be your quarterback? So I went down this rabbit hole, and it was I almost talked to myself the same way I talked myself into Deshaun Watson <laughs> going to the Browns. I almost talked myself into thinking that Malik Willis at two would be like a good future pick. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, gosh, I don't know what's going to happen. This is, But this is what always happens this time of year. Draft is coming up. Yep. You have no idea what the hell is going to happen. You have so much time <laughs> to just ponder every different scenario. But for me, I did. I did, I did kind of go down down that hole where I'm like, I can make an argument for them taking Malik Willis at two. Now, realistically, if that happened, it would. I, I think it would kind of show you that they are committed to a long-term rebuild. Because Malik, you take a quarterback at Malik Willis at two, he's probably not starting this year. So you not not wasted, but you just took a guy at two that's not even going to contribute to your team for a couple years, right? So if the, the only way that they would take him is if they are in full rebuild rebuild mode still, year two, step two of the rebuild. Um, you combine that with free agency, not making any big splash signings. Yeah. That, for me, it just kind of, it could make sense. And I wouldn't be super pissed off. Um, but for me, you, you just have so many different needs, right? And ultimately what it comes down to is what do they believe? What do they believe? Do they believe that re-signing, you know, all their same guys and picking up a couple pieces here and there, that's going to be the difference between being a three-win team and maybe an eight- or nine-win team? Or do they really think that, you know, we're just sticking to the plan? Aaron Rodgers came back, right? Yeah. Probably not going to compete for the division this year, so let's stick to the plan. Um, that number two pick's going to tell you a lot. If they take one of the edge rushers or they move up to one to take Aiden Hutchinson, I think it tells you that they're pretty damn confident that they think they can win with the roster they have. If they take a Malik Willis or a quarterback, it's a clear sign, right? Right, slap, Not a slap in your face, but it's a clear sign right in your face that probably not going to win much again this year, and, and we're, we're, we're just sticking to the plan with, with, with what we had coming in about you know taking a, taking a couple of years to really piece this thing together. Yeah, and if they swing and miss – uh, if they get Malik Willis in, they get a chance to see him in a few a handful of NFL games this year at different times, and he's not the guy. And you're you're gonna if if you're planning on putting this roster together for another three or four win season, now you're talking about picking in the top five again next year, and maybe one of those quarterbacks that you do believe is is the quarterback. We saw Arizona do it. 
uh, back-to-back quarterbacks, uh, and you know, obviously now ending up with Kyler Murray, maybe that's their thought that if a hey, we're going to throw him under, you know, throw him in the fire and see what happens, and if he can play, then we're going to go ahead and, and and let him go. Yeah, um, and if he can't, then hey, we've we found out, and we're we're getting the value in knowing that yeah. he's not the guy. Yeah, and you can also take a you know. You can look at it both ways, too. You know, why didn't they get into the quarterback market at all this year with all the moving parts, right? Why didn't they uh, try to get in on a Deshaun Watson, right, and give him a, you know, make him your your long-term quarterback, right? I, I think that also you can make an argument that they just really feel confident in what they have with Jared Goff. Now, yeah. I know the first half of the season, he took a lot of lumps. I mean, you know, he oh, was yeah. just not playing good football, and he would probably tell you that too. Too many turnovers, not enough, uh, you know, splash plays to kind of help your team win. Now, the second half of the season, I think, was a different story. I think he showed that once he settled down in the system and got familiar with, uh, you know, the receivers and bringing Reynolds in and Amon Ross St. Brown continuing to develop, I, I think he showed you that if you build a team around him, and we already saw this, obviously in uh, in LA you build the team around him he can be a good quarterback yeah. he's not going to be great he's not going to be a Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Aaron Rodgers but he can be good enough to get you to where you, you need to be and mm-hmm. ultimately that's how I think they feel I, I think at least at the top with Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell I think they feel that way yeah so I would be surprised if Malik Willis was a pick there a quarterback was a pick even at 32 which you've seen some mock drafts taken like Sam Howell uh, I wouldn't like that um, but there is a case to be made if they do take him at two to say, well, okay, I mean, maybe this is all part of the plan, right? Well, you just don't know. You can we'll talk your way into it all you want. You, you can, can go down all, all the rabbit holes you want. <laughs> I do not want Malik Willis at two. I don't think the value is there. I don't think he's a long-term solution for the Lions, um, and I don't want to trade up uh, for Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson. As much as I love Aiden, and I would love to see him play for Detroit, the whole story that goes behind it, the, the most important part is I think he's the best of the bunch, but I don't think there's a great separator. Uh, so I don't want to trade 32 or 34. I don't want to trade number 66 or 97, both of their third-round picks, because that seems to be the sweet spot for yeah. Brad Holmes. Yeah. He's able to find really good value in those picks, so why would I want to give one of those up and then – just to go up to get a guy that, yeah, he may be the best player in this draft, but he's not far and away the best player in this draft. When you can get a Trayvon Walker at two, yeah, um, I haven't seen, you know, I've seen Aiden mocked at one. I've seen a lot of guys, uh, but Trayvon Walker's not one of them. Kayvon Thibodeau, I think, will be there at two. Either of those guys, and, and if, if Jacksonville decides that they don't want to, take they, they still want to go offensive line then you've got your pick of anybody that you want yeah um and so i don't want to give up what i think is going to be brad holmes's sweet spot as a as a draft guy now do, do you find an amon ross st brown in every single draft no but you can find really good depth players in third in the third round you can get them in the fifth round sixth round uh which we saw brad holmes do so i don't want to give up opportunities because this team needs so much talent. They need so much to build up the depth that they have. They need to build up the top end talent that they have. That I don't want to. I don't want to take one of the darts away from them uh, and say, you know what? Instead of nine picks, we're going to get eight, and we're going to jump up to to number one, where yeah. you can get a comparable player 
at number two. Yeah, you don't have the luxury of, and, and you look at too. I mean, they don't have a fourth round pick, and you know what do they have? A really, really late fifth compensatory pick, I think, too. So there's a pretty big gap there yeah. between the end of the third and the end of the fifth, where you don't have any picks. So if mm-hmm. you give up a third, you know, you give up a second. I mean, you're taking away uh, a chance to get what we've seen Brad Holmes get another productive player in the building. And right. if you're going to move up to one, if you're, you're even if you're going to move up to the top five, um, there either has to be a very special player or you have to be a team where you feel like that's the one missing piece to get you over the hump. Detroit's right. not in any of those positions. <laughs> I, I don't think. No. You're obviously not no one one's player. Arguing that. You're not an Aiden Hutchinson away from being, you know, NFC North champion. So um, you're not in the position where y- you look at even San Francisco last year, right? The year before they had a down year because they had a ton of injuries on their team. They end up, uh, I think, uh, starting the draft at 12 and they bumped all the way up to the top three it was. Now they yeah. took a quarterback but they felt like that was the one missing piece for their future to maintain their role as, you know, a powerhouse in the NFC. Detroit Lions, you're not in that position. So if you you, you can't trade up when you have so many needs on your roster, unless right. there's a premier guy that you think it is. And me and you just don't feel like Aiden moves the needle enough between himself, yeah. Trayvon Walker, uh, anybody else in that top three, four defensive end unit to warrant giving up another maybe third round, second round productive player that can come in and help your team day one. Yeah, much like you, the 32 and 34, if they were to trade up to 14, 15, I'd be all right with that. If yeah. they were to take one, the, the, the pick that they have at the end of the fifth round, which is 177th overall, the pick that they have at the start of the sixth round, which is 181, so they're only four picks apart, if they were to package those two picks and move up maybe into the fourth round or earlier in the fifth, if there's a guy that they they fall in love with and say, I can't believe he's fallen to the fifth round, I'd be okay you know, losing a pick and, and going up and getting somebody that they really want. Yeah, um, or even packaging, you know, look, the Rams are probably still going to be pretty damn good next year. Even yeah. packaging that first-round pick you have next year for the Rams, um, you know, with something else, maybe to slide back up early in this draft like yeah. there's just a lot of options that they have now i would just love them to see him be aggressive that's yeah. it i mean if there's a guy you want get him um if you can trade back great right yeah. go get some more picks um but man we've got obviously a couple more weeks to talk about this it's just going to be it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out because i think this uh this is another obvious obvious chance for brad holmes dan campbell to provide even more of a spark around really the fan base, what they feel right now with the optimism. Uh, I do want to talk about it. Some other, uh, a bit of uh, news that came this week and you mentioned it off the top and that is hard knocks. You and I never had the experience of being on hard knocks. Thank God. Yeah. And so that's my <laughs> initial reaction too. if, if this had happened when you were with green Bay or Detroit and they come out with this press release, Hey, you know, hard knocks coming to Detroit. TJ Lang's going to be featured. What would your initial reaction be, and how would you deal with them being around all of training camp? Um, I wouldn't like it. I mean, there was a real fear there in uh, 2018 because I don't know how the process works. I think they kind of picked the team, but you can all you can always get out of it, right? Yeah, there's always, there's always like when way. I was in Green Bay, they're like, "No, we're never doing it. Absolutely not." We'll get out of it any way we can. When 2018 kind of came around, I think one of the guidelines is, right, if you're a team with a new coach, you're kind of like ultimately exempt. 
Yes, I think that's what it was. Yeah. Or you're exempt or... Yeah, you, you don't have to do it in the first year. In the first of, year, right. That's coach. what it was, yeah. So maybe it was... There was buzz back in one of those years about hard knocks, and we're all in the... Everybody in the locker room is kind of like, God, no, I hope no. Um, I don't know. For me, it was just like... <clears throat> I didn't want my privacy, my privacy, my private space, yep. like exposed out to the public. Um, you sit in the old line room. It's a safe and, space. Yeah, it's your safe haven, right? You you bust balls. I mean, you have a good time. You say some, you know, locker room talk. Right? Yeah, <laughs> which, has been which is not appropriate phrase. for not anyone appropriate anywhere for else. The public. Yeah, I mean, if you're, you know, if, if my kids were to watch me sitting in the old line room and some of the stuff we used to do and the we used to talk like right. I don't I don't think I would want them seeing that yeah, you know that's Dan, my how old were favorite. you when you did that and yeah look, I was I think, 30 years old yeah, and I think a lot of people are like that I mean there's certain conversations and with your buddies and you know imagine going out to the bar with your buddies you know on a Friday night and a camera following you around and hearing everything you guys say you wouldn't want that it's not going to be the same that's kind of the same vibe you get in the locker room and, and in the meeting rooms and you're just with all your buddies you're having a good time you're messing around obviously you're working but I, w- I wouldn't want any of that public you know I I was mic'd up a couple times in my career and honestly it, they were like the most stressful games I ever played because I didn't want people to see me like in my safe haven just yeah. talking you know crazy talk you know i mean sitting in the sitting on the bench and you know talking about the fans or talking about the referees or whatever yeah. you do you know in your privacy i didn't want any of that exposed and for me when i played the games it was always like i never knew it was going to come out of my mouth but when i was mic'd up that was just something that i had to think about right i was like Okay, I can't. No, I can't do that today. I got really got to watch what I say. You know, <laughs> can't say anything bad about you know the coaches or you know oh, that's a stupid because they're going to hear call. You know <laughs> what the hell are they calling it? right? Because you know, every player goes through that. Um, yeah. I didn't want any of that. So the, with the hard knocks, I can't remember what year it was, but I I really really was against it because that just for me football. Once you walk into that building, it's kind of your safe spot, right? That's your spot where you can just be. Just dudes being dudes, man. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. That's ultimately what it was about. No matter so. what's going on outside of football, yeah. once you get in that locker room, once yeah. you get in that old line room, and yeah. that is and that's I, that's your safety. Yeah, place. and I didn't know how it's much a trust tree. I didn't know how much exactly, right? And I didn't know how much the teams have uh, you know, editing rights, right? If there, I'm sure there's been there's got to be situations some. before yeah. where you know camera picks up and they're like, no, absolutely not, you can't <laughs> put that in that. there. You cannot <laughs> put that in there. We want him to play this year. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that that's happened, but um, I feel like it's just something else you got to worry about, right? I just feel like it's kind of you got to worry about certain teammates that maybe. Uh, you know, a little camera heavy, or you know, trying to stick out a little bit to get uh-huh. some TV. Like Glory it's House. just like it's just football. The locker room's just not the place for that. But well, yeah. I will say it's entertaining. I mean, they I Howard Knox. Yeah, I watch it too, and it's it's uh, it's hell entertaining. I'll tell you that much. But I think that uh, I think it'll be good for um a guy like Dan Campbell. I really do. Who's kind of had this perception in the media of just being. You know, we hit on it earlier, kind of being just a meathead, yeah, just a dumb jock, right? Saying all this stupid, <laughs> talking about kneecaps and showing bringing, up with a, with a helmet on, yeah, at the, from bringing the you know, bringing a real lion to practice, you know, for the intimidate. It's just like I, I, it, from the outside world, that's all you see, right? Us obviously being a little bit more close to the situation, you know, you talking to him every week during the season, me talking to him after every game, um, you you see how smart he is, you see how just the 
how great of a motivator he is, right? And I think that'll be good for him. Not that he probably necessarily wants that, but for his image, I think people are really going to love him, man. I really yeah. do. I, I think they're going to absolutely fall in love with him. Now, I don't know which players they have that are kind of going to be the stick out guys that people yeah. kind of fall in love with, you know, the America sweetheart type. Oh, yeah. I think just a couple names that pop off right away, you know, a guy like Jamal Williams, who's obviously on energy and great yeah. personality. And, um, he's a guy that, you know, people will probably come to like, um, you know, an offensive line room. I don't know. I mean, those guys really do a good job in hard knocks of, there's kind of always a rule where like, you don't talk to the media. You don't do anything by yourself. So I can't see any of those guys really sticking out. But No, but um, I think what can happen. Now, the the one good that can come of this as a former offensive lineman and guy sitting in that room is is you have allies in that room. So you know that they're not going to throw you under the bus. Right. And you make sure that you do the same. You, you don't return in kind, that you don't throw them under the bus. But all of the other positions – from now until that camera shows up for the very first time, you got to think, how can I f- with so many people? <laughs> Who can I set up? Who is it that I want to throw under the bus and just have a good time with and get a couple of laughs out of? Yeah. And it's, you know, I mean, as, as the disdain that I have for kickers is, is obviously it's out there. However, those guys have way too much free time. Uh, to 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 target those guys because when you're out there practicing, when you're in meetings, they're generally they got their tanning oil on. They're they're, they're out there, yeah. They're doing push-ups, trying to make sure they look good at the beach. So you don't want to f with those guys. Um, but you know the tight end room, wide receivers, defensive backs. I mean, there are some guys that you could really set up um and have a great time with. Oh, for sure. The pranks and the pranks are. That's what makes training camp so great. That's the best part of training camp. Now, if we had a camera following us around in Green Bay during those training camps, there's got to be a deal oh made with the cameraman. <laughs> oh boy, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how the public would have received that with some of the pranks that we used to pull on each other. But um, the yeah, I think that's that's like people don't understand that there's football is obviously a very serious game. The yeah. NFL people take it very seriously. It's a job. It's oh, a career. A lot of money. Life. Um, but people don't understand that, like, you're still allowed to have fun. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, anytime a team seems to, you know, put out a fun video, you know, whether it's just guys goofing yeah. around or pranks or whatever, like, you always get the couple assholes that are like, well, they should be worried Why don't about you watch games? Why don't you get your ass in the weight room instead of joking around? You know what I mean? But that's like, that's part of the camaraderie and the just atmosphere that makes football such a special game because it is like, unlike any other. Yeah. Uh, profession where you know you pull a prank on a guy, you pour baby powder in somebody's hat at your job, like you're probably going to get fired. You probably people are going to get pissed off, but you do it at football practice, and it's just hilarious, right? The guy's got baby powder all over his head for the rest of the practice. It's awesome. It's hilarious, you know, dumping water on dude sleeping at two a.m. Like it's funny. We have fun, right? Yeah. It's, it's not. It's not hazing. Nobody's getting hurt. It's just. It's just. Uh, it's good humor. It's good I'll give laughs. you one that uh, that we did to Daryl Green before we get going here. Um, and it was my very first training camp. We were in Frostburg, Maryland. And the way that the, one of the um, – it was Frostburg University. So one of the, the the classroom buildings that we had our meetings in, they had – it was almost like it was built into the side of a, of, of a mountain there or, or a hill. And so on the sides of the doors, they had these retaining walls 
Daryl Green used to have this, and maybe he still does, this old VW Bug, an old school, right? It was Herbie. And we got out a few minutes before the DBs got out. The only way out was through these doors because all the other ones were locked. And we, Trey Johnson, who was an offensive lineman um, that we had, Corey Raymer was a center. We picked his VW Bug up. And we put it in between these two retaining walls right up against the door. And it literally, I'm telling you, we had maybe an inch on either side. So we had we had four guys. We picked it up from each four corners. And we you know wiggled our way back into this. And we put it literally like right up against the door. So he couldn't get out. Oh, God. <laughs> and we then had to, you know, the guys that were on the inside had to kind of crawl over and, and make sure that they got out. So we just sat there um, with a couple of pops and just waited for the DBs to get out. <laughs> and it was, it was awesome. And then we just left. How they got out. <laughs> see ya. How, Good yeah, luck. See ya. Yeah, good luck getting out. How they got out, I have no idea. Somebody probably had to crawl out a window somewhere. Oh, um, sure. But it was, those are the types of things that, and it's all in good fun, right? There's nothing destructive. Yeah, nobody's um, getting hurt. Yeah, nobody's getting hurt. Yeah. You know, now maybe they, you know, somebody might have strained a back trying to get it out, but uh, that wasn't my problem at that time. Um, but we will continue to talk about the draft uh, that's coming up. We're going to continue to, and, and I can't wait, trust me. When we get to, to training camp and hard knocks, that will be featured in full uh, form here. We're going to continue to talk about free agencies as some of the, uh, obviously the headliners are gone, but the second and third wave of free agency, the draft is coming up. We've got a lot to talk about, especially with everything that's going on around the NFL. I don't believe, uh, and there are a lot of reports, that the fireworks are going to continue with big-time names moving around. We'll bring you all that news and our reaction right here with Lang and Jansen on Necessary Roughness.